Hey everybody, I'm back again with another quick episode of the Rampant Mumblings. No podcast this week for me, which has been a little bit of a blessing in disguise as it means that my throat finally has had some time to recover, even though I'm still coughing good and proper. But hopefully, fingers crossed, I am on the mend. Being ill has meant I've had some time to reacquaint myself with the art of iOS gaming. So, for the last week or so, I've been chilling out and just sort of... um enjoying actually using my phone instead of looking at it as nothing but a content production tool something i thought i'd never be saying with a device about a keyboard so this week i've been playing a couple of games uh carmageddon the old classic from the amiga slash was it amiga no from the pc days of old well if you ever had a was it available on the 486 or i think it was pentium only Anyway, that was on iOS for free, I believe it was. And there's a good reason why it's free, because it wasn't really worth more than 10 minutes of gameplay. Nice little bit of nostalgia. For those of you who haven't played Carmageddon, the premise is really simple. Kill as many people as you can to get points, or crash as many cars as you can, well, crash into as many of the opponent's cars as you can to get points, and points make prizes. If you thought GTA was um, was the was the successor, no, that's not right. If you thought GTA was the originator of controversy, no, Carmageddon was well before that. So much so that when they did release it on a couple of other platforms, they turned the blood from red to green and they had to come up with a handy little remarketing plan as well to say oh no they're not people they're zombies yeah right okay after a while i got bored of that and moved on to death rally which is like a 3d isometric ish top down car racing game really good fun really nice graphics really good sound and presentation throughout um the only thing i would say about it is that the tracks do wear off sort of fairly quickly and whilst the difficulty level really consists of well from what i can gather the other cars become a bit faster and their firing rate goes up that's only the real difficulty um well change of difficulties that i've seen so far but really really good for a few hours of enjoyment and again that one was free the other day, day as well and if it is still free go and have a look for death rally it's worth mentioning as well that these both look absolutely awesome on a Retina iPad. I mean, yes, they look really, really good on the iPhone. If, if anything, your, uh, your fingers do get in the way a little bit, but on the iPad, wow, they just absolutely look immense. Uh, so there are the two picks you might want to look at. But my third pick is something like horoscope skiing. Now, there's a reference to anyone who used to have a spectrum from way back in the day. It's probably one of the worst ill-timed reviews I could have had a look at this week, what with summer being just around the corner, but it's a hellishly addictive little game. The idea is simple, get from the top of the screen to the bottom within a set time. If you come out of the set time, you just lose points. There's not much in the way of power-ups or accessories, but you do get some really nice beanie hats, um, flare trousers, and um, what they called skis, yes, as well. The controls, dead, dead simple. Just keep your thumb on the bottom of the screen and swipe left or right. Obviously, keeping your foot, keeping your thumb firmly placed on the bottom. And the further away from the middle that you swipe, the tighter the, tighter the turn becomes. And obviously, that scrubs off your speed. 
there's a nice little sort of back sub story about skiing to beat you know the token ski guy who thinks he's the best skier on the planet uh, and something to do with finding a yeti and even some conspiracy theories i'm up to 20 level 24 so far after about an hour or so of playing and you know it's one of those nice little games just to sort of pick up if you're yeah waiting for someone or going uh, waiting for a bus or well, heck, even waiting for your food to arrive if you've gone out somewhere. So, not a bad little uh, game at all. It's called Skiing, and you'll recognise it because it's got some... Uh, it's got a throwback nostalgia to sort of 16-slash-8-bit graphics. Uh, I will try and put that in the notes at the end of this review. So, and now for something completely different. WWDC is a couple of weeks away from us, and my thoughts really are now turning to the Apple TV and what I would like it to do well for me personally but I think some what might be some good ideas um, in general hopefully and for anyone listening oh I really do apologize for my somewhat incoherentness I'm uh, really I'm still not feeling the best as you can probably gather but we'll keep going and see where this trip takes us so it's obvious that the Apple TV is going to be the forefront of the home and that's got me thinking what if it had more storage, say enough storage for me to put all my TV shows on there or all my movies on there. Or are they aiming for just streaming from the cloud? Because I bet there's a bit of um, a market for having a, a now system made by Apple that would simply work with any device. Now, I know you can use Plex for something like that. Uh, I haven't got Plex set up yet because I've only just got the new beta of Yosemite installed today which means I don't suffer with the uh, discovery debug. To give you an idea of how bad this bug is, when I was checking my upstream on my internet, it was constantly throttling it out at 25k. Over three days, somehow, I'd pushed over 12 gigabytes of traffic. So I've got a feeling it was somewhat hammering my internal network. If not, yeah, I wonder if I'll get the letter from the ISP saying, we've noticed suspicious activity. Or will they just be able to go, oh yeah, he was using an Apple. Yeah, no need to worry about him. With HomeKit, I've noticed as well that Apple have been very careful to use the word kit and not automation. And that doesn't surprise me because they need to do something more than just have plugs which will turn things on and off. Although, turning things on and off would really go with the, um, the eco-friendly, world-friendly Apple that is really starting to emerge over the last couple of years. There are downsides with that. So, for example, if I could say to my watch, turn off my Mac, that would be brilliant. But as long as it doesn't just turn the power off, because that's going to cause disk corruption. So there needs to be that level of software integration that if I was to say to Siri, hey Siri, turn off my computer, then it would keep going and shut down. to do the same with my NAS. Now, although it only takes up 5 watts on idle, you know, that's still 5 watts, you know. You have 10 devices going on, which probably isn't, you know, beyond the realms of a lot of houses, I would imagine. 
you know, that's 50 watts an hour you're burning. You know, that's the equivalent of just leaving the lights on all day. Well, not all day, but for a set amount of time. So it'll be very, very interesting to see the software stack that Apple will release to go along with the hardware offerings that hopefully are going to be out. I'm going to guess that with the advent of HealthKit, this will mean a significant overhaul of networking, especially that confounded thing which barely ever seems to blinking work, AirPlay. It just seems to work randomly whenever it feels like it. Sometimes I have to do a load of work on my phone to go from the app to the home screen, turn it off, turn it back on, go back to the app and then start playing and it'll work and maybe it'll only work for 30 seconds, but it's just so unreliable. And hopefully it'll have more of a handoff sort of feature. So if I'm watching something like Twitch, then as long as I've got the app, maybe apps on the Apple TV, you can say, right, just send that over to, like on the e adverts, where I say, right, send this video over there, free up my phone, that would be an immediate win as well. You know something, I was just in the middle of recording this podcast thinking, blast, I've only got 55 seconds left, but then I realised I've actually purchased Opinion for iOS for 2 99 and I'm not constrained. The only thing that is constraining me is the fact that I can't seem to talk for more than 30 seconds without to hack up my left lung. Uh, and the lack of content, but the lack of content shouldn't be of any surprise to anyone. Uh, but um, the Apple TV, yes, it desperately, desperately needs an update. Now, I've got a special sort of emotional attachment to my Apple TV version too. It sounds really, really daft, but it was the last thing that my dad got me for a Christmas present before he passed away, God bless him. So it's sort of like one of those things you buy to stick in the family and the front, you know, and you can all enjoy it in the front room. And that's exactly what we did on Christmas Day. I had my iPad, I was there with my sister. We were playing, I think it was Angry Birds on the TV. And it was brilliant because, you know, it just sort of takes away that barrier between, you know, everyone looking down at their screens and everyone can see and get involved in, you know, oh, what's this game do? What's this like? You know, can we watch a movie on the TV just using the iPod in? So iPad, so it was brilliant. So after a couple of years, it's going to be nice to see the Apple TV get a decent makeover. Price-wise, hmm, what would you pay for a new Apple TV dependent on the features? Now, if it's going to have things like iBeacon in it, which is uh, one of my top tips, I think, hmm, I think it would probably go above the $99 mark, but it will have some significant features to push it above that. It might even come with, let's say, some subscription TV, but I don't know on that one. I mean, let's face it, the UK market now is pretty doomed for anything like that. It's doomed pretty much because all of our content here in the UK is siloed, and if it's not by one of the four major broadcasters here in the UK... I say that loosely in the, from the UK, Channel 5 is pretty much American-owned, then it's all tied down by Sky, and Sky have already got their apps on all the platforms at the moment. So unless Apple can figure out a way to do a better version of an EPG, I suppose, where, but, you know, is that going to have its problems? Because all you're doing is viewing a, an EPG carousel of going to buy things. And I've already got this problem on UView, where the amount of channels that I can't watch is actually greater 
than the amount of channels that I can watch. And even more annoyingly so, my EPG guide is cluttered up with a load of channels from Sky that, yeah, guess what? You've got to pay a subscription. So, I don't know. Um, how do they get around this? Maybe they're moving the Apple TV into more of a home kit sort of style because they're having such problems with content. I'd really like it if my sort of TV programs were available everywhere, including my movies, which I think they're going to head towards doing. Uh, it'd be really nice to sort of have a Netflix style interface, I suppose, or offer, or at least a good amount of offerings, but at a reasonable price. Now, how much the price is being charged in delegated to but is by Apple's own marketing and their own pricing structure, nobody knows. But seeing as Amazon and Google, you know, they're all pretty much on a par. And there's really good tools that I'll, uh, I'll post in the show notes tomorrow that you can go and have a look at any of the offerings on the iTunes store and see if you can download them for cheaper elsewhere. But then that does mean you've got content here, there and everywhere and that just becomes a great big pain in the backside. On another completely different tangent, award of the day for being the guy who was the guy of the day today goes to at Don McAllister for this lovely, lovely tweet um, that he sent to at Mackerel. So let me just go into Twitter, double click the own button, home button here. So it all started today, really, at Macworld UK. Must you really retweet such obvious and inaccurate clickbait from a self-confessed Apple Watch hater? No idea what the article was relation to, didn't want to find out. At Mac for us, so this is from at Macworld UK, at Don McAllister. We retweeted it so you can have your say, Don. Tech advisor, a, a sister title of ours, and not all of us agree with Ashley. From Don McAllister, at Macworld UK. Well, I certainly won't be retweeting, linking, or commenting on it. Clickbait, pure and simple, but thanks for responding. Well done, Don McAllister, for calling out Macworld UK. You, sir, are the guy of the day, or Don of the day. I've got to say, I agree with Don. I thought, I think I know about the article, but knowing at Macworld enough, where they just want to post something that's a bit inflammatory just to get people clicking through, I actually don't want to read stuff like that anymore. I'm sick to the back teeth of articles without substance, and they just do nothing for journalism as a whole, let alone Apple journalism. You can't use headlines like definitive Apple leaks points towards radical new overhaul and then use the word allegedly, supposedly, or maybe, or it could be. You know, you've just completely undone all of what you've written about in that article in the first few sentences. And it's not even in the first few sentences because you can tell a mile off an absolute mile off when they've got to hit an arbitrary deadline, and I hate that myself. You know, why write 500, 600, 700 words when you can say something in a paragraph? Sure, it's not the most interesting way, but if it's like a you know, 10 hints for your Apple Watch, just bang it through. I don't need to know that there was a massive delay, and yeah, Angela Arndt had to say to everyone, don't go to the store. We know this. I've clicked on the blinking article because you've promised me something in the headline. They just let me blink and get on and blink and read it. The rush for the page views is obviously a greater consideration to that of any content. But then again, what can I say? In the last two weeks, I've only written about three articles, but I have been ill just in case no one's been aware of that.
Anyway, that's me done for this episode of the Rampant Mumblings before I finally start coughing up again. As always, you can catch me over at essentialmac.co.uk, not the .com. You can follow me on my lifestyle Twitter type thing at Ocean Speed. And I'm a guest of somewhat semi-regular appearance on a couple of other podcasts, such as Not Another Mac Podcast which should be out by the time this is released. You can catch all my previous appearances on the Mackie Forth show and on the Deeper Look podcast. So until next time, when hopefully I won't be at so much a death store and I'll have some more, actually I'll have some proper created content and a few things to hopefully break up this audio. Until next time, ta-da everyone, ta-da.